Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with a special guest today and a friend of mine, J.R. Radcliffe. I teased this guest yesterday on the podcast. He is a training sports reporter with the Journal Sentinel. J.R., this is, this is good. I, I told you this, that not only is this good that you come on and we can talk some Bucks, but we can actually just catch up a little bit. Kane, Kane, Kane! <laughs> I have not had the chance to talk to you in some time, Kane Pittman. This is very exciting. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned it yesterday, but uh, it feels kind of weird. I'm in my, I guess, whatever you want to call it, home studio here in Australia. You're over there. <laughs> I don't know where you are. But normally, we're in this little sound booth in the Journal Sentinel building in some uh, dark, deserted floor of the, of the building over there. Yeah, we've traded in a deserted, you know, downtown <laughs> building for my home, which is not, it's certainly not deserted. It's full of little people running around making me insane, so... Uh, it is a different environment, but uh, the show must go on, Kane. And well, I think the show must go on. I'm still yeah. not. I'm still among those not entirely convinced that the show will go on. In fact, I'm maintaining that position of pessimism until proven otherwise, so that I can. Uh, I cannot commit. I cannot commit myself emotionally to something that I'm not sure is going to happen. Although I, I was, I found myself physically disappointed yesterday. I've been following the Stratomatic NBA simulation <laughs> of the season. And I, I knew that the final was on Sunday, and I don't like it. Dawned on me a couple hours after it was supposed to post <clears throat> that I'd, I'd missed it. So I, I went back, and it's like game seven of the NBA Finals, Bucks Clippers. Here it comes, and the Clippers won in Milwaukee to win the uh, the seventh game, win the NBA Finals. And I was disappointed. I'm looking at the box score, like, how did they let Avika Zubac score all those points, get all those rebounds, and just like. It's, it's starting to become less – it's not as easy to convince me it's not real anymore. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, quite, quite the emotional roller coaster I'm on. So I read that story because I, I haven't been following these simulations, but I wanted to see the detail that they had. So let me get this straight. Were you watching games or they just put out a, a box score? No, they just post box scores. And, and they don't give you like play-by-play -play or anything. There's some slight detail at the bottom. Like one of the games in the series of the Eastern Conference Finals, which was Bucks celtics uh, actually, a very crucial game four, I should point out, uh, indicated that Brooke Lopez hit a shot with nine seconds left to give the Bucks the win in a one-point game. But for the most part, it's you can tell it's very computerized. There's you know very rigid details at the bottom. Oh, there were 20 lead changes or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so so you just get to pour over the box and try to piece together in your mind maybe how it went. They give you quarter by quarter. They give you all the details, just not like who hit what shots when uh, and. Uh, it's pretty good stuff. I mean, it's it's as good as it's as good as it gets right now. Giannis had a performance that would have been legendary in the Game Seven of the Eastern Conference uh, Finals against Boston. He had forty some points, twenty some rebounds, eight assists. You know, I'm just trying to imagine what that would be like if he had done that. How we would talk about Giannis in sort of a next level terminology after he delivered something like that. But alas, it is just a simulation, just my imagination. 
42 points, 21 rebounds, 8 assists. I looked that up. I noted that down. Because I was trying to think about this, like the last couple of years we've seen the Bucks. yeah, particularly last year, obviously, uh, they went on a, a pretty good run. But they didn't have a Game 7, and there wasn't a Game 7 in Milwaukee, which I guess when you have home court, that's what you kind of dream about, having that Game 7 scenario at Fiso 4 and Full House. Uh, so, yeah, Eastern Conference Finals to get through the NBA Finals, 42-21-8. and eight. So I, I have to imagine... That would have been a pretty cool atmosphere at Five Seven Forum if that was real life. Incredible! They're all, yeah, they haven't won a game seven in the playoffs since back in that two thousand one season when they beat the Hornets. That would have been in Milwaukee at the Bradley Center. That wait, that not that would have been that actually happened. <laughs> have to separate the real from the fiction here. That <laughs> happened. Uh, they uh, I believe Jamal Mashburn and the Hornets they negotiate those guys and uh, and get to the, the Sixers we lose that game seven of course and. Well, yeah, all the other game sevens they've they've lost. Atlanta in 2010, that was on the road. You know, Boston uh, on the road. So uh, last year it was really it's really hard to sort of pick out moments from the 2018 2019 Bucks season because as revelatory as it was, none of those games were were, were close. Or and if they were, they didn't go the Bucks way. Like the, the game three against Toronto, kind of the one outlier there. But there there wasn't a moment that you were like, wow, that is that is the thing I will remember as the, the Bucks team really turned a corner. So this would have been an opportunity to maybe get one of those moments to get a game seven or a game winning shot in one of the games. We just we didn't have like we barely had any like two possession games in the postseason. So uh so yeah it's uh it's nice to dream that we would have had something like that to talk about or some some heroic performance from an unheralded player, you know, like Marvin Williams or something, things to, things to think about like that. We're just, uh, just going to have to wait a little bit longer. So we obviously were pretty fortunate during the 2018-19 playoffs. So we got to get to a couple of games. And do you, is there any moment for you that you look back on as the most memorable game or uh, win? Or, and, and maybe you weren't there because at, at all the games. I certainly wasn't at a lot of the road games through the first two rounds, that's for sure. I, yeah, I didn't go on. To, I didn't go on the road to any of them. I was at all the home games. I, I <laughs> this sounds so dumb, but like the moment that really sticks out for me is is Game Six against the Raptors. I mean, because yeah, that that, that was you know the moment where I, I mean I, I should say I shouldn't say Game Six. It's Game Five where am I am I doing this right? Yeah, Game Five in Milwaukee. This series is tied, and you had to think that the it, it was just a really electric atmosphere even though the Bucks wound up losing and man the air went out of the balloon quickly but there's that moment with David Bakhtiari the, the Packers offensive <laughs> lineman on the video board I know this is stupid of course but I mean the the whole town was just into this right and and David Bakhtiari is kind of a perfect Wisconsin athlete in that he's a big dude he likes to drink beer he's kind of just just a dude, you know, like hanging out at, at Bucks games. And he downs three beers on the video board and Aaron Rodgers is there and he can't, you know, can't keep pace famously because he's, you know, kind of doing a bit. I think at the time people thought he actually couldn't down a beer, but uh, he was he was sort of playing along. And Christian Yelich is there. So, so they've got all these Wisconsin sports luminaries. These MVPs are all in one room. Giannis is there, Christian Yelich, Aaron Rodgers. I don't remember if Ryan Braun was there or not, but if he was, that would make four – MVPs, four Wisconsin sports MVPs in the same room at the same time. Although I guess at that time Giannis hadn't quite been named MVP, but we knew where that was going. And uh, I mean, Wisconsin sports just loves its own people. And to think that everybody was sort of focused on that moment in that room together, maybe Ryan Braun was the designated survivor among the, uh, among the MVP club. He was kept out or something. I don't know, but uh, that's just, that's a really special thing for Wisconsin sports fans. And, and 
they lose that game. And like I said, air went out of the balloon so fast. That was a, that was a death march coming out of Pfizer forum that night. But for a moment, felt like the Milwaukee Bucks were on top of the world. That was a pretty, that was a pretty special sensation, even though it didn't end the way anybody would have wanted it to. All right. I want to come back to this after the break. Before we do, just a note from uh, myself and from the podcast network. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit lockedonpodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. And now we have a new sponsor on board the podcast, Magic Spoon. I've always been a big cereal guy, particularly when I was a kid, but not maybe not more so than right now during quarantine. I've been at home. I've been getting stuck in to the Magic Spoon. And the good thing about it is that it's good for you. Zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Personally, I love the blueberry flavor, but there are four different ones. On top of that, they have cocoa, fruity, and frosted. And as always, we've got a sweet deal for the listeners. Go to magicspoon.com slash NBA to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code NBA at the checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash NBA and use the code NBA for free shipping. Of course, we thank Magic Spoon for jumping on board Locked On Bucks. I will say that's one of the cool things about the Bucks and the support they've got over the last couple of seasons in particular is that uh, the other sporting stars really get around the team and they get to as many games as they can. And it felt a little bit to me like uh, the Bucks had obviously been in Toronto for the last couple of games. They've been putting up with all the, the antics from Drake and it felt like they came <laughs> back to Milwaukee and everyone was like, all right, any stars we have, uh, they, they wanted to be there and, and, and show their face and show their support. Unfortunately, didn't get the result, but I agree. That was, that was a pretty cool night. The big one for me was probably game two against Boston because heading into until that point in the season I hadn't really even considered the possibility of the Bucks season ending uh and not necessarily that I thought they were going to win the championship but I just thought they were so good the the regular season was so enjoyable you roll through Detroit and then you lose game one against Boston and it's like oh well really I, I wasn't expecting that loss and now there's a little bit of concern if you don't win game two this thing could unravel pretty quickly. So I thought the way that they played, and obviously started really well in that game and blew the Celtics out, just made you sort of say, okay, all right, we're back on track here. We hit a little speed bump. Everything's going to be okay. Ultimately, it was. I think Wisconsin sports fans are trained to believe the worst is coming, and that might be true (laughs) for every fan base. But I think as much as we like to rag on Paul Pierce for famously saying after game one that he thought the series was over, meaning he thought the Celtics were going to roll in that series, uh, which is hysterical, by the way. Uh, the, and, and boy, did Wisconsin fans remember that. They don't, they, as much as they are pessimists, no, they do not like being disrespected. And so uh, Paul Pierce was on everybody's lips, the name Paul Pierce on everyone's lips for the, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future after that. But uh uh, you know, we're, we're conditioned to believe it's not going to end well. Game one happens, and I think everybody was probably pretty much doubting it, you know, feeling like it wasn't actually going to happen. I know there's all this evidence. They crushed Detroit. They've been having, they have a tremendous 
regular season. There's all this evidence that one game is not going to beat this team, right? But, you know, the Bucks fans, they haven't seen this team get past the first round since, you know, almost 20 years. So why would they assume that this is going to have a fairy tale ending? They have to, <laughs> you know, you got to think at that point, okay, the beginning of the end starts now. I mean, we're, we're just so trained to see, uh, to see the downside. So I, I definitely love uh, love game two as a highlight. And also I think, you know, game, game five where they officially moved on to the Eastern Conference Finals, what a party after that game. I mean, it became a coronation. I remember one thing I remember – was uh, Jason Concepcion, who's a writer for The Ringer. Uh, the Ringer being, of course, owned and operated by Bill Simmons, notorious Boston Celtics fan. Uh, <laughs> as it was clear that the Bucks were going to win this game, home stretch, everything is, you know, the Bucks are going to win. He just tweets out one word at a time. You hate to see it. Each, each word being its own tweet. And I remember watching that roll into my tweet deck and just laughing hysterically because he's talking about Bill Simmons, of course. And <laughs> it's just an extra added layer of schadenfreude that, uh, man, it was, it was quite the adrenaline rush to get through that series. And, um, that, that, that is something that I even toyed when I did a series with the journal Sentinel, the 50 and 50, I called it the, the best 50 Wisconsin sports moments of the past 50 years. And like I said, I really, I struggled to find a highlight for 2018, 2019, ultimately did not include anything from that season on the list other than just, there was one entry that kind of just talked about a couple different Giannis highlights, but I could, you know, I couldn't pick out a moment. I almost put that on my list, the uh, the game game five win over the Celtics, but ultimately it just, you know, wasn't dramatic enough. They, the Bucks weren't <laughs> tested. The series didn't go that long, you know, like it didn't have that holy crap, it could go either way moment. It was it was, but just pretty much all about the Bucks in that moment, and it was it was a lot of fun, but you know, still still maybe not lacking that uh, that seminal moment that I think is still coming for Milwaukee Bucks fans. Yeah, that was definitely something I was looking forward to this playoffs. And again, um, hopefully we still get the chance to see it. But back in March, one of the series I really wanted to see was Celtics-Bucks again because uh, I think you, know, you play each other twice in a row in the postseason. You start to build a little bit of a rivalry. And sure, the players have changed a little bit, but the main parts are still there. You Tatum, Jalen Brown, Giannis, uh, Chris Milton. So the main pieces are still there. One series each. They have got a rivalry going, and I think... When people talk about Bucks rivalries, rivals right now, they do also include the 76ers because they clearly don't like each other, but they haven't faced each other in the postseason. And I think that's what probably separates the Bucks and the Celtics. But you mentioned the fact that uh, maybe you're still feeling a little pessimistic that this thing will go ahead uh, down in Disney. And I, I spoke yesterday on the podcast about the fact that I, I feel the NBA has come so far that they're just going to push ahead no matter what, and try and make this thing happen. But clearly, day by day, the situation in Florida is getting worse. Overnight, we've had a couple of players, uh, I say overnight in Australia, but during the day, actually, in the US, a couple (laughs) of players have pulled out, Trevor Ariza, for family reasons, that one is, and and Davis Bertans uh, is basically looking after himself ahead of free agency. There's no other way to put that. So these teams that aren't actually going down with the expectation of winning a championship Maybe you're going to see some more players uh, pull out, which, again, I I can't fault them for that. I can't blame them for that. I can't fault anyone, regardless of what team they're on for pulling out, uh, particularly for family reasons, health concerns. I mean, how, how, in your mind, what are you thinking when you think, is this just the tip of the iceberg? We're going to see a, a number of names pull out because this is in the transaction window right now. This next week is when this is all going to happen. 
would have th- I've been thinking about this in terms of baseball as well. Baseball, really, even as we're recording this, it's all unfolding, the, uh, the, the sort of soap opera that they have and yeah. some concern that players will sit out an abbreviated season. And I just don't know how ultimately that sounds like a good idea in practice, but, or in principle, I should say, but ultimately that player takes the brunt of that because it isn't the league that, that notices when a player does that. It's the hometown fans. It's the people who are, you know, the, the small group of people who have nothing to do. They're, they're going to be the ones who feel betrayed by that. Now, Davis Bertans has a completely different set of circumstances in that Washington is one of the few fringe teams here that probably aren't even going to be in the playoffs. And, and if they are, they're going to be a sacrificial lamb eight seed. So like, what is, what do they have to gain? I mean, that's part of the problem with the whole format is you've got teams that don't really stand, you know, don't have a huge stake in this that are going to be asked to report to this bubble. So you could totally appreciate where a guy like Davis Bertans is coming from. And maybe, maybe the Bucks are going to get him in free agency, by the way, he's the guy they were looking at a couple of years ago or last year. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm, of course, talking off the top of my head. I'm sure that's not the case <laughs> if I dig a little deeper. But, um, but We're taking, I, I can, by the way. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that seems like a great fit to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, uh, I, I obviously, like you, I completely understand where he's coming from. I just don't think, I, I don't think you're going to have guys on the Celtics or the Bucks or the Sixers or the Raptors or the Lakers, teams that are really in this. I just don't think you're going to have somebody say, no, it's not worth it to me to win a championship. I feel like that's going to be too great an opportunity to pass up, you know, especially because again, different with baseball, they've played most of the season. I mean, they've already committed to the season in great deal. You know, this isn't an invalidated season based on length, the way that it would be for the MLB season. So, you know, you sit out, that's going to be a black mark. If you're, if you remember the LA Clippers and you decide this isn't for you, people are going to remember that when the Clippers get eliminated in the second round of the playoffs, they're going to say that guy quit on his team. And now, our teammates going to want to play with him or our other teams going to want, I mean, I'm not saying that's right. I think that sucks, but I do think that's something the players are going to have to weigh. I just think selfishly speaking, you're not going to see a floodgate open there. I just think it's going to be one or two guys. I, I think the only thing that I would maybe push back on that is the fact that if, the, if you're not playing, then you're walking away from money. So <laughs> it, it's not like it would definitely be a different situation if they were going to sit at home and still get paid. That would, that would obviously people would look at that. Uh, probably negatively but then also there's probably unrealistic pressure for players to go down there interesting it looks like baseball just see the tweet come over my computer looks like they're looking to start uh, spring training on july 1 and then a 60 game regular season on july 24 uh on the weekend of july 24 to 26 so I, i think baseball has some advantages in the way that they can play outdoors there's less contact i i think that baseball is is a sport that maybe should be able to push ahead and play i am concerned with the NBA going down to Florida right now. And let me ask you this, would you, and this is, again, obviously this is a completely different situation. You're not going to, to be getting paid millions of dollars to, to play the game of basketball. But Although I would volunteer for that role if offered. <laughs> well, yeah, me too, by the way. Definitely. The part of getting paid millions of dollars, not necessarily harm's way, but give me millions to try basketball. I'll see what I can do. But would you go, so if we know that there's going to be limited media down there, if, if the Journal Sentinel was like, uh, do you want to go down there? We're going to send a couple, we're sending Velasquez, uh, whether or not he's going down, I don't know what the deal is, but we're going to send Velasquez. We yeah, we're going to send one other guy. Uh, we're taking volunteers. You've got to go down there by yourself for a few months, live in this. Uh, some people are calling it a bubble. Some people are calling it a mesh hat. Would you go down there? Would you feel comfortable going down there? I, you know, to be honest, I probably would feel okay about it. And I mean, I say this as somebody who has two young children and I like them, but they are very difficult. 
And I mean, it would be the most irresponsible thing I could do for my family and just leave my wife, my two kids for three months. Like that's, I, I would, I would say no to that on that alone. Would I feel comfortable doing it though? If, if I thought that we could get some sort of, I don't know, nanny service, then, yeah. then I would actually, I would feel okay. It's because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm young enough where I think that if I got the virus, I could handle it. I do feel like every precaution will be in place. I realize Florida right now is a hotbed, but inside the bubble, if, if you're really re- regulating who goes in and out and you give these temperature checks, you're, you're as well off as any place on earth, you know, in this contained environment. Obviously, like you said, mesh hat or whatever, it's not a fully contained environment. You cannot guarantee anything. And ultimately, that could very well be the undoing of the whole process. But um, I, I do think it's it's as good as we're going to get. And ultimately, I think that's, that is a major advantage basketball has over baseball. Baseball isn't going to operate that way. And yes, the game itself is outdoors and doesn't involve maybe as much face-to-face contact like basketball certainly does. But but with, with so many additional variables, I, I think that's going to be the problem. You know, the, the more we learn about this virus, the, it, 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 it remains unclear. Like, if, it seems like going to the grocery store and just, like, casual contact with people every once in a while isn't really going to be your problem. It's, it's more your, like, life behaviors and, and getting in groups of 10 or 15 people and just hanging out and not, be, and not being mindful of wearing masks and things like that. You know, the way that you could, you could theoretically get away, I think with playing baseball every day, but it's all about like, how are you interacting after that? Are you in the clubhouse hanging out with people? Are you going home? Like what, what, what behaviors are you doing when you're not on the floor or not on the field? And I do think in a bubble, you have a better chance of regulating that. So I would feel okay with it. I would feel safe, but uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, the family issue is what really comes into play here. And, And obviously most NBA players have young kids or kids and, and, that's going to be a really tough call. Would I bring my family into that bubble? I probably would not want to do that. And that's a, that's a choice that guys are going to be making. And so that's, that's probably the trickier part for me. Yeah, no celebrating walk-off hits in baseball this season. You're not allowed to. Oh, you, what a drag that's going to be! <laughs> you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to get around in groups of fifteen and teammates and celebrate. That's that's completely off the table. But I'll tell you what isn't off the table, Jr. That's the most useful app on my phone. It's Blinkist. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more when you don't have free time. You can't read or work on personal development. Blinkist is the incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. Blinkist is really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. A busy man like yourself, JR, that's absolutely perfect. Of course, you guys know the deal that we have with Blinkist. You, with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want and all for one low price right now for a limited time. Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA. Try for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash MBA to start your free seven-day trial. You also save 25% off but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. And now, Bubbles Glory. I don't know if you're a Bubble fan, JR, but Bubbles Glory is the leading bobblehead retailer in the country. They have a vast inventory of bobbleheads from all major sports leagues, including our teams, the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. They're officially licensed by the NBA, MLB, and NFL. Right now, they still, in limited quantities, have the triple MVP Wisconsin puzzle bobblehead that showcases Giannis, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian Yalich. 
for Bucks fans. They also have the Greek flag Giannis bobblehead. Bobbles Galore can also make custom bobbleheads for any occasion or event. Visit www.bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code locked on to receive free shipping. That's bobblesgalore.com. Promo code locked on. You'll get free shipping. I wanted to talk about your job a little bit. A trending sports reporter. When I sit next to you at Bucks Games, it's honestly probably the most fun I have sitting next to someone because. Uh, you know this. Sometimes you know you sit on press row and people are very serious, and and I am too. I'm watching the game. I'm, I'm taking taking my job seriously, but there's sometimes you sit next to different reporters that you can tell and love their job and they're happy to be there and they understand how fortunate they are to be in the position they are. And I'm still the same. I, I feel that way, and I hope that never changes. Every time I go uh, to an NBA game, I'm excited. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to to have fun doing my job. So, what do you love about your job? Because I know we've spoke about this. Yeah, I, I do love my job. I'm extremely lucky, and, and this pandemic has certainly hit me, you know, professionally as much as anyone because it's it's essentially robbed me of what I do for a living because the, the idea behind the trending sports reporter position is to catch a new audience that we hadn't, we hadn't been serving before. Finding really the stories between the games, I, I like to say. I mean, we have plenty of people who cover the games and cover the big breaking news stories and the injury stories, all that stuff, of course that's been part of the fabric of sports coverage forever, but really where a lot of the, a lot of those like websites like Buzzfeed and things like that, where they were having successes telling stories that people were wanted to know about, but weren't necessarily part of the standard game coverage. Like what's going on on social media. What's uh, here's, here's, here's a list of great, you know, let's say the Brewers just beat the Cubs on a walk-off homer. Here's a ranking of all the Cubs, you know, the Brewers walk-off wins over the Cubs, you know, really just capitalize on the moment and, and gives, give people something else to talk about, something else to engage with and have fun with. And I mean, who wouldn't love a job where your, your job is to just have fun with it, like do stuff that interests you. I, I'm a lifelong Wisconsin sports fan. All this stuff is in my wheelhouse. I have the base, historically speaking, the knowledge base. And, and I, I, like to, I like to write in a way that's fun and, and carefree and not, as, not so serious and that's the stuff I get to focus on. When David Bakhtiari downs three beers on the jumbotron during the playoffs, you know, that's my beat. So I'm missing the third quarter of, of playoff basketball because I'm <laughs> pounding away on my keyboard writing about a dude slamming beers, you know, like that's ridiculous in concept, but it, it also is something that a lot of people want to see. They know that there's going to be video there. They know that there's going to be like, you know, little, you know, little tidbits of color from what's going on in, inside the arena. So so that's my job. So it's, it's tremendous fun. I never know what I'm going to write about when I wake up every morning. It, it's very fluid, flexible. You know, I have to be able to sort of drop everything and, and fire something off pretty quickly to capture sort of the, the, the height of the moment. Things that happen on social media, they're happening in the next five minutes. And after that, people stop to care, stop caring, you know. So uh, I, I'm extremely lucky. I love this job. It, it was created uh, shortly after I got downtown in the Journal Sentinel office building, I, I covered prep sports for 14 years, and we happened to move physically into the Journal Sentinel building. We'd always been associated with the with the Journal Sentinel and Journal Communications, but we physically moved into the building, and this position was created. And I happened to know the right people that kind of got me, you know, connected into it, so I could I could interview for it. And it is it is awesome. I love it. I love my job. I miss the office. I miss the people. I miss doing this stuff you know, every, every hour of the, of the day. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty dang lucky. And 
you know, maybe it's just because I haven't been jaded yet when I go to these games <laughs> and have such a great time. I, it'd be a grind to be a beat reporter and yeah. having, you know, having to travel and deal with all that stuff. And I get the best of both worlds. I get to go to the games. I get to talk to the athletes. I get to write fun stuff that people want to click on, you know, without a lot of the negativity. And then I, you know, then I get to go home to my family. Like, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculously lucky situation. So, uh, so I do not take that for granted. And, and certainly I don't take it for granted right now because I miss it. I miss some of the components of it. But, uh, but I, I, I also enjoy talking, talking to you, Kane. And I know how much you love what you're doing as well. So the, uh, the feeling is mutual, buddy. Well, let me just say the traditional beat writer, I think you bring up a good point because Matt Velasquez is really the, the, the lone traditional beat writer that the Bucks have in terms of a guy that's on a deadline writing a, a match report. Obviously, Eric has a different type of job with The Athletic, but I did match job for one game. It was only one game. It was, a, it was Bucks and Orlando in the 2018-19 season. I got an email on the morning of the game and the Orlando Sentinel uh, beat reporter had the family illness or something and couldn't get to the game. So they said, can you cover the game for the Orlando Sentinel? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And it was like, what I think the, the game rate was like 100 bucks or something, like 80, 80 bucks, whatever it was. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, ultimately, I couldn't end up getting paid because uh, it wasn't uh, legal. So, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, that was, that was, that's another story. But uh, I said yes and I did this. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And I said, so what do you actually need from me? What, what, what do you need? And I said, well, we need a match report within uh, 10 minutes of the final buzzer. And I was like, okay. And then they're like, yeah, just like 400 to 500 words on the game. It'll be fine. I said, all right, that seems a lot. I guess I'm going to be writing during the game, which is not something I normally do. And then uh, they said, then go down to the locker room, get quotes. And then within 90 minutes of the end of the game, we need a full, you know, seven to 800 words with quotes and reaction from uh, the Orlando Magic. So I was like, okay, fair enough then. And I remember I was the last person in the, uh, in the media room that night. I was stressed out. I was like sweating. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not used to writing to a deadline like this. In the meantime, Matt Velasquez, just the true pro at already cruised, put his story out. He was cracking jokes. He was laughing. He went home. <laughs> uh, it's a tough job. It is a tough job writing to a deadline like that. Uh, Matt is, I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. I mean, in fairness to you, Matt Velasquez is an absolute baller. He's just tremendous at what he does. I am in awe of his, I mean, his abilities sort of speaks for itself, but just the, the suaveness with which he handles everything. He doesn't get <laughs> rattled by any of it. Uh, and I will say too, I think this is true of a lot of guys who, who, who do enjoy what they do when they're covering games. I, I love writing on deadline. I love the rush of it. I love the, you know, trying to predict what's going to happen during the game. And that's very difficult in basketball because there's a lot of final details that go in, you know, that, that aren't really determined until literally the final buzzer with, with baseball, which is really, I, I really cut my teeth learning how to, how to write on deadline covering, covering Brewers games. I mean, you can sort of have most of the main, main events like itemized out. Now maybe they change in the ninth, but most games they don't. So uh, basketball is a different animal entirely. And uh it is. It is such. It is such a rush to be able to try to hit to try to hit a deadline when you when you've got you know all these facts to cram in, and then you got to try to find the right spot for a quote. You kind of have to predict with your story where those quotes are going to go because you don't have a lot of time to remodel your story. So you kind of have to have it all planned out even before you ask your questions. And uh, I, I, I do love uh, I do love that aspect of it. But but it is intense. I mean, you go into a little bit of a rabbit hole. You don't sort of surface. Two hours go by very quickly between 
the, the final stretch of the game and when your stories are finally done, you know, there's, you got to talk to the right people and send your story and send a follow-up story. I mean, that's the, the, it's like being in a casino. Things go so fast. You don't even realize the sun has gone down uh, when you, when you emerge from the arena. It's a, it's a pretty wild experience. Admittedly, I will say in fairness to myself, to cut myself some slack here, if it was the Bucks, I feel like I would have been a lot less uh, stressed than I was considering I was. Oh, just- totally. Because I was just dropping into the Orlando Magic uh, locker room, I was like, I don't even know really half of these players. I don't watch Magic on a, on my off nights. That's for damn sure. But uh, it was, but it was. I'm glad, by the way, that you mentioned the Bakhtiari story and the fact that you were just as an example of what you might uh, write about. Because I remember, or there's been multiple times where you've been at games and I've been in the press box and something crazy happens on the screen. Or uh, the cheese one is the one that I always remember. Is, is the the, late, the person at the fan I can't even remember if it was a woman or a man but uh, named whatever it was 29 cheeses in 30 seconds or something like that what are some of the, the craziest stories that maybe have that, that people have loved that have blown up that are just a, a weird random event like that yeah, I do remember 30 cheeses in 30 seconds or, or whatever that was. She she was uh, she was sensational. I did go talk to her. I, I don't go to a lot of Bucks games. That happened to be one I was at. And, yeah. uh, you know, she pulled that off and I was like, uh, where's she sitting? I'll just, I'll just go talk to her. And she was seriously right next to the press box. So she's, you know, like 20-something or early 30s with, the, with a young daughter. And she just knew all these cheeses. Incredible stuff. But, uh, but the one that really that I really remember though is Sterling Brown naming all 50 States in 30 seconds. Milwaukee Bucks uh, guard forward. He, I mean, I went back and watched it again. I just don't even know how it's possible. Like it's, I get if maybe you've memorized some alphabetical version of the United States, you know, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, like he didn't do that. He knows them geographically. Like he just swept through the geography of the United States and just rattled them off and, you know, barely beats the buzzer all 50 States in 30 seconds. Like try to do that. If you have them written down in front of you, try just reciting 50 (laughs) States in 30 seconds. Uh, That was, that was so impressive. And I mean, obviously the Milwaukee market has gotten to know Sterling Brown and gotten to know, you know, what a smart guy is and how, how, you know, this, it doesn't surprise us that he's capable of pulling something like that off, but still, uh, that's the one that really, really shocked me. And, uh, you know, going back to that playoff series, in addition to Bakhtiari, we had the uh, the whole Pusha T t-shirt incident where Mallory Edens is is uh, wearing a Pusha T shirt, Pusha T having a feud. This is not my area typically, talking about hip-hop artists, but Drake and Pusha T, not the best of friends. So she thought she would wear that as a as a means of trolling the Raptors super fan, Drake. It did, it kind of got a little ugly from there. Like, you know, just like, kind of smarmy territory with Drake posting on Instagram, setting his avatar to a picture of Mallory Edens. It got uncomfortable, but for a while there, it was kind of fun. Gucci Mane showed up to no one really knows why, but he was a Bucks fan for a short period of time. <laughs> so, uh, so that was a good one as well. Obviously all that's very recent history. Uh, you know, my favorite story that I've written is not a Bucks story. It's a, it's a Brewer story, a fan story where uh, during the, the 2018 playoffs, Eric Kratz, this backup catcher for the Brewers, uh, he'd been kind of a journeyman, great story. Uh, he, was, he was like 38 years old. I mean, he was toward the end of his career. And he had a bunch of buddies from his hometown in Pennsylvania. They showed up 
uh, they had raided his closet. He'd kept a jersey from every stop he'd made on the major league circuit. This guy had played for like 13 teams <laughs> in some capacity, major or minor league. And these guys show up, all his buddies from Pennsylvania, and they all have Kratz jerseys from all his different stops. There's a Toronto jersey and a Pittsburgh jersey. And, you know, maybe there might have been a minor league jersey or two in there. And I, I went and talked to those guys, and they were awesome. They were really cool. You could tell that they, you know, there's a really tight group of friends. And that was really something to have all those guys together and crack because, you know, no one's, no one's selling cratch jerseys at the, you know, even at the stadium probably. So uh, that was, that was really cool to, to see those guys. And being that was the NLCS, uh, that story blew up. You know, a lot of people were interested in that one. We got some great pictures of it. So and that's the key. Like if I, cheese woman was a great story, but I didn't, we didn't have a good picture of that or we just had the video, which was, which was cool. But if you can get a good picture to go with it, man, that's the, that's the stuff right there. That's the secret sauce. That's, uh, that's how you sell it to, uh, to the biggest audience possible. Uh, we didn't quite have that, but you know, you get David Bakhtiari chugging a beer on the, on the Jumbotron. That's gonna, that's gonna get some eyeballs. I have to say. Yeah. I'm actually, as we're recording, I'm wearing my, my Oakland A's hoodie. And unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Eric Kratz, did not get out to Oakland, one of the teams that he didn't play for, but gave me exactly what I expected you would here. I, the, the cheese <laughs> story I uh, is one that always will stick in my memory. I forgot about the States, and all I remember about that is after that, uh, naturally everyone was asking me about you know how many States I could name and all that. And I think I got... And this was not times. This like I had unli- <laughs> I had unlimited time to to name as many states as I could. And I, I think it was like it was somewhere in the mid thirties or something like that, mid to high thirties. So I was I was struggling a little bit with uh, naming them all. But uh, that is obviously ridiculously impressive. So for you, what is the next few weeks looking like? I know the Journal Sentinel has had a bit of a rotation with with weeks off here and there. Uh, what's the situation with yourself? Not to not to make it too personal. No, no. I mean, I think right now, Gannett, the parent company of the Journal Sentinel, is committed right now to not not furloughing its reporters and photographers for at least the the foreseeable future going forward. Everybody everybody took some weeks off here and there, but through April, May, and June, yeah, you know, I think people probably are aware of this. Maybe maybe not, but newspaper industry is is in such a weird spot because obviously we're out there covering a ton of fascinating stuff as it relates to coronavirus and and the George Floyd protests. And I mean, this is a time when journalism is really, really needed and necessary. Uh, Obviously the election, all this crazy stuff with the government, like this is all, this is all our wheelhouse. And yet, nobody's making money in newspapers because who's advertising? There's so many businesses out, out of, out of business right now or reduced business, you know, or they certainly can't afford to put in a print advertisement to, to try and promote their business. So newspapers are in a financial hardship as well, even as their work is, is getting a ton of eyeballs online and is, is as necessary as it's ever been. So Gannett right now, they, they've said they're, they understand that and they're committed to keeping every reporter on a regular schedule right now. And, and I, Thank goodness. I mean, I'm grateful for that. I, I'm like everyone else. It's it's hard to really feel comfortable with anything that's going on, you know, with sports coming back with, with, uh, you know, job security, nothing, nothing is settled right now. And that's just the way it's going to have to be. But for the foreseeable future, we'll, you know, sports, sports does pick up here in July. We'll obviously have a presence in some capacity there. We'll, it will also be uh, a lot of sports guys like myself will be working on the news side as well, you know, just kind of filling in the gaps a little bit. Uh, as we record this, I actually wrote, wrote a few sports stories today. Felt pretty good. I hadn't done that in a while, but uh, with a couple guys off, I kind of sunk my teeth into, into some UW stuff, some Marquette stuff and felt good to, felt good to do that again. And 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know when that's going to become a regular routine, but uh, but I certainly look forward to it if uh, if that's something that's in the in the near future here. Well, if you don't follow Jr. on Twitter, you should. It's always fun. I have. I certainly enjoy interacting with him at Jr. Radcliffe. And also, if you have the means, you should consider subscribing to the Journal Sentinel because I know personally from working with Jr. Working next to Matt Velasquez, Laurie Nickel, Ben Steele with Marquette, and sometimes Bucks, the guys are great. And, and they work as hard as anyone that I've seen in a couple of years that I've been uh, trying to trying to make this thing happen. So, JR, I appreciate this. I told you this was fun to talk basketball, but also just to really catch up with you. It's, uh, I've missed that. Indeed. The same is true for me. I look forward to the day when you're back in the States, man, and we can, uh, we can do this in person. Have a pint. Is that what they say <laughs> in, in Australia? Have a pint. I uh, would love <laughs> Well, give me give me six pints. I'm 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 ready to drink at the drop of a hat at any moment. So uh, so anytime you're back in town, I look forward to it, my friend. Well, not to I mean we don't want to get into this too far, but let's just hope that the the potential news that work visas are not going to be allowed into uh, into the country. Let's just hope that this is uh, promising. Yeah, th- let's just hope that this is blowing over because if not, you might not see me for a while. But now again, I thank you for your time coming on. Uh, just a programming note for tomorrow, we have got. Nate Duncan is going to join me tomorrow. He's been doing a daily coronavirus podcast. So we'll, we'll talk to him a little bit about some of the concerns we have heading into the bubble as this thing continues to develop. The numbers continue to go, down, uh, go up in Florida while the NBA continues to push ahead with that. So it's going to be a fun one. And also, uh, don't forget to listen to his podcast, the John Hollinger and Nate Duncan podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Check that one out. And for JR and myself, we thank you for listening and we'll see you guys tomorrow.